Welcome to Thrive Deeper, an ongoing conversation with Dr. Matthew Jacoby, author of the Thrive Bible Reading Guides, teaching pastor and leader of the Psalmist Band Sons of Korah. Join us as we go deeper into the Bible, discussing the passages as we read them together with Thrive. Now here's your host, DJ Payne. Hello and welcome to episode 36 of Thrive Deeper. I'm going to keep this really short at the intro here because we have got a massive episode. We're going to cut straight to it. This is part two of the intertestamental period. We're going to sit down with Uncle Matt. He's going to tell us the story of the Maccabees and a lot more. So get your history books out, get your thinking caps on, be ready for the story. We'll jump into it straight after the break here on Thrive Deeper. Matt, last week, we just awkwardly cut off what we were talking about and just, you know, left everybody hanging. Uh, We're in the middle. Where are we? We're sitting probably about 300 BC. And we're like, okay, the Persians are over here. Jews are all over the place. And there's this Greek thing on the horizon. Yeah. The real force to be reckoned with is coming over from the West, from Greece. Um, And there's a, a, a young upstart called Alexander the Great, who is going to be really the greatest conqueror uh, that the world has seen up to this point. Uh, Now, Alexander the Great defeated the Persian Empire, Mm. um, the might of the Persian Empire in 333 BC. So this is where we're picking up uh, our story. So Persia will still be uh, a force in the Mm -hmm. East Mm -hmm. um, uh, for a little while longer, but gradually Alexander is going to move east and completely conquer the whole of the Persian Empire. He's going to do that in a way that sort of brings them. He really, uh, I mean, he uh, he does this in a way that uh, is really, um, I think, um, shrewd. You know, he, the way that he gets them on side, and yeah. so lots of uh, Persians actually follow Alexander and and. Um, He's an amazing leader. He was a, he was an amazing leader. Um, anyway, so he, he actually in the early stage of this campaign, he he uh, d- there's this de- decisive battle against the Persians in 333 BC. Uh, he comes down, which he wins, comes down into Palestine. He lays siege to Tyre, the city of Tyre, which was just offshore. You know, very mm. difficult. No one had been able to get to it. Uh, the uh, Ezekiel had prophesied the final fall of Tyre. Mm. Well, this comes at the hand of Alexander the Great. This fulfills this prophecy mm. uh, of, of Ezekiel against against Tyre. Um, now, during the siege of Tyre, he actually s- sent to the Jews in Jerusalem and and demanded that they s- come to his aid. You know, um, and they refused. Said, "Look, we've, we're, we have this um, uh, this we're under oath to." Darius in mm. Persia, and, and it's going to cause us big problems. We can't come. So, because the Jews were all, like they were still under under Persian rule in a sense. They're but still they, under Persian rule, but they right? were their own autonomous. In one sense, and the fact, like yeah. what I mean by that is, Alexander was able to go to say, you know send send yeah. to the Jewish yeah, people yeah, that's right. as yeah. their kingdom and say come come and yeah. help me. But they they were under they're still under the Persian mm. you know still tied to the Persians and mm. so. Um, 
they refused. Now, he would have been infuriated uh, by this and, and maybe they didn't expect that he would win, that he would capture Tyre as well because yes. no one before had. Yeah. Um, but anyway, he did. And, of course, he comes down to Jerusalem and he's not happy. <laughs> yeah. And so they, uh, they get together and they pray. And uh, according to Josephus, you know, they find out he's coming and, and they, they get together and they pray. And so what they actually do is that they open up the city, they open the gates, and they mm. come out to meet him. Mm. And all the priests are dressed up in their priestly robes, and the high priest comes out. And anyway, Alexander, when he comes to the city, he, they, 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 as you can imagine, this whole army lined up. So you can imagine how terrifying mm. this is. And uh, he actually uh, goes up himself, separates from the army. When he sees the high priest, he goes, tells them to stay. And he, he gets, gets off his horse and goes up to the high priest and salutes the high priest and honors God because, according to Josephus, he had a dream before the whole campaign mm. um, against the, the Persians that he had this dream uh, where uh, 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 the high priest in this garb appeared to him and said, you're going to win this war against the, against mm. the Persians. Mm. And so he, uh, he, he honors God and he goes in and he offers a, sac- a sacrifice to God uh, in the temple, according to, according to uh, Josephus. And uh, again, I was, reading, I was reading through that as well. And according to, their, uh, <clears throat> to the Jewish tradition, it was during that time where he sat down in discussion with the high priest. Yeah. And the high priest, and this is according to their, yeah, you know, yeah. to their stories, I love to think that it was true, yeah. is that th- they opened up the book of Daniel with yeah. Alexander the Great and said, this is the prophecy, here you are. and here you are <laughs> in the book. And he was like, and from that point on, in historically we know that he had a soft spot for yeah. the Jewish people. That's right. Yeah. And, he, and, he, and he looked after them, made sure that they were safe and everything like that. Yeah. And, and the Jewish people would say it's because he saw, yeah. they rightly pointed out that yeah. you're the fulfillment of this, yeah. of this prophecy here. It's hard to know yeah. uh, whether, whether stories <laughs> like those uh, are, are true. Uh, I mean, Josephus... Is is look in the most part a fairly reliable. Yes. Uh, that's not in Josephus that part. No, uh, but um, the the bit about him uh, offering a sacrifice yes. in the temple um, that's uh, recorded by Josephus, who's a Jewish uh, historian from around uh, uh, sort of seventy BC yes. around that sort of period, uh, seventy AD. Sorry. Yeah. So uh, so look, Alexander moves east, conquers everything to the border of uh, of of India. Mm. You know, um, uh, he is the, he actually the Samaritans at one point. Uh, so he well he conquers Egypt first. Interestingly, the Samaritans rebelled against him, and he he comes back and destroys the city, uh, and uh, really once and for he absolutely decimates the city of Samaria. Uh, I mean, they're going to recover to some extent, but they're not going to be the force uh, that they were. Um, he, he conquers everything. He he. His um, he dies actually um, of of some you know was it poisoning uh, was it a fever, but after after his death he dies very young in um, in three twenty three BC, and while on still on campaign, mm. and his well, his whole life was uh, a campaign. Yeah, really. his whole life was a campaign, and he. Uh, his, there was some. This is where it gets a little complicated. But there was lots of squabbling for power struggle amongst he, among his generals. And, and, and according again, according to the legend, you know, the generals around him at his death said, "What do we do next?" And he said, "Give it to the strongest." <laughs> like he let it get. Like his last words were, "Whoever's you know." Yeah, and, and, classic and, Alexander. Yeah, and it just 
you know, devolved into, you yeah. know, a whole, whole bunch of fractions there. Yeah, but what, what is, amazingly, though, what he did achieve, even though his empire is going to be broken up mm. after this, what he actually achieved was an incredible cultural unity over the whole of the uh, Near and Middle East, which would last for a thousand years. Mm. Because, uh, you know, he, he treated Persians equally to the Greeks. He encouraged his men to intermarry with them. As a result, lots of people from all of the parts of his conquered territories followed him. Mm. And they adopted the Greek language, um, uh, So, which they actually developed. Uh, it, th- there's almost this new kind of ancient Greek, which was became known as Common Greek or Koine Greek, which is the Greek in which the New Testament is written, which was also the common language of uh, of the Roman Empire. In- okay, so I think this is a good point to talk about when, when we were talking about the common language, to go back down into Egypt yeah. and see what was happening there. I mean, we're fast-forwarding yeah, yeah. a little bit with the, the you know, the Greek uh, translation. That's right. I'll get to that. Okay, all right. Okay, good, okay, okay, okay. You're right. jumping ahead. I'm jumping uh, ahead. Sorry, I got excited. I got okay. excited. So, um, look – but basically, sit and, and this is an important thing right now. This this what's known as Hellenism. Mm. Hellenism is the Greekifying of of the, the whole the world. of the empire. I mean, it, like it was just cities all over Europe adopted. Uh, sorry, uh, Europe cities <laughs> all over the empire mm. adopted this way of life of the Greek polis. You know, it was. Uh, it was the quest for the good life. Uh, you know, there were Greek entertainments, arts, sports, philosophy spread everywhere. Mm. So this sort of this Greek ideal way of life uh, mm. became a thing, really, through. Uh, and, through and that's and that I, I, I think that yeah, through Alexander, because that's part of the difference of him as a conqueror, because he wasn't doing it in the name of like a god or a religion in in one no. sense he was doing it because he 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 was taught in the golden age of the greek of from philosophers yeah. by aristotle in fact was his tutor per, how's this for a personal stu- <laughs> your personal tutor is is aristotle yeah yeah who was Taught by Plato, yes. who was taught by Socrates. Yeah. That's a pretty good uh, lineage. There. I know exactly. So he's he's got this almost like the first truly Western civilization way of thinking. Yeah, and he's out to civilize. Yeah. the world, not yeah. to yes to conquer it, but it's it's not it's not yeah. to put them under the thumb or to make yeah. himself greater. It's this different way of thinking. Yeah, and that's I think that's one of the reasons why it lasts so long and has such yeah. a lasting yeah. effect. Yeah, it's it's a, a, a thousand year effect. I mean, it's mm. quite amazing. Now, as I said, there was this tussle for leadership, but the 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 two um, areas or the two dynasties that yes. we need to concern ourselves with. Um, uh, for Jewish history, are the Ptolemies and the Seleucids. And the Ptolemies are down south? In Egypt, um, and the Seleucids are up north, sort of Syria and, yes. and, and this area. So, you know, it, it, the most famous of the Ptolemies is Cleopatra yes. uh, um, from, you know, Antony and Cleopatra and so forth. She was, yeah. a, she was a Ptolemaic leader. Yep. It descended from this Ptolemaic dynasty, yep. so which is which is un- unusual because when we think of Egypt and we think of these pharaohs and everything like that, we have a different way of thinking. But then we go Cleopatra; she was actually like a Greek, you know, uh, yeah. uh, lineage, you know, and everything yeah, yeah. like that. It's a totally different yeah, way yeah, of thinking. That's right. <laughs> yes. So, um, 
so Judea is sort of sandwiched actually between, so now there's going to be lots of warring between Ptolemies and Seleucids and Judea is sort of, as usual, sandwiched between them. I mean, <laughs> Daniel 11 talks about the kings of the north and the kings of the south, and he's mm-hmm. talking about the Seleucids in the north and the Ptolemies in the south. Mm-hmm. Now, in 320, Ptolemy took control of Jerusalem and depo- actually deported a considerable number of Jews from there to Alexandria, which was his base. Yeah. Um, very and, important. Yeah, very and important, this is yeah. getting to now getting to what you uh, yeah. were uh, preempted. Um, that basically, they lived there with free status, actually, uh, under their own laws. And um, in time, many other Jews joined them from around the empire because the yeah. word got out. We've got it really good here. We're, yeah. we're, we've got relative autonomy here in Alexandria. And there was, and like you had already pointed out in the last episode, there was already a large Jewish population that's, that's right, in yeah. Egypt. Well, Alexandria is in the north of Egypt yep. and Elephantine is in the south. Yes. So they're, 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 they're separated, spread, but, spread apart. Yeah. But there's a history there. Yeah, there's certainly a history there. This... Uh, this Jewish community in Alexandria really becomes the most important of the diaspora. And this is because, um, well, first of all, within a couple of generations, these Jews were all Greek speakers. Yeah. Okay. So, um, it was, so it was for this community that the first ever translation of the Bible mm. occurs. Mm. And that was into the Greek language. Now, there, has, mm. there, there was never before a, a translation of the Hebrew Bible. It was in Hebrew mm. and that was it. And so they translate it into Greek. Uh, into the common Greek, mm-hmm. um, and this is the Septuagint, known as the Septuagint. It gets its name Sept from 70 because traditionally there were these 70 elders who made this translation. Whether that's actually, you know. Yeah, yeah. whether that story yeah. is uh, true. Because <laughs> the, other, the other part was that it was 70 elders in 70 days. Yeah. You know, was the other part of the yeah. tradition. Oh, 70 days. Uh. Now, the Septuagint, Septuagint which was this, so this is 260 BC. Yeah. Just to give a, a nail this to a date. Yes. Um, Septuagint is important because it's from the Septuagint that the quotes yeah. from the, in the New Testament are taken. Well, the Septuagint was Jesus's and the and like the common person's Bible, right, yeah. Old Testament. That's right. Was yeah. this what was happening? They spoke here. Aramaic, and although it still would have been read in Hebrew yes. in the uh, in the in the synagogues, but when they were speaking to the crowds, yeah, this is what they quoted. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Uh, although uh, I'm not sh- exactly sure about whether it always would have, whether some synagogues would have used the Septuagint. I'm not sure about that. Okay. Um, maybe I'll send that question in to thrive uh, for next week. <laughs> we can do some research. <laughs> so I, mean, uh, I, I imagine again, this is just off the top of my head. Depending where the uh, you know where the synagogue was. You know, probably yeah, that's right. Yeah, depending yeah. what the spoken you know that's language, right, yeah. yeah. So during this period, the Jews in Jerusalem and Judea they continue to have relative autonomy uh, mm. as they as was given to them under Alexander, as you said before. They they were um, given this autonomy. Uh, they were able to freely practice their religion. Um, uh, now, at first, Judea was under the Ptolemies, but it came under the Seleucids um, under Antiochus the Third, one of the one of the Seleucid uh, leaders. Um, now that, his that son, name, that name, his yeah. son actually Antiochus the Fourth is going to be very significant yes. for Jewish history. So um, the Seleucids take control of Judea in 200 BC, um, and at first they continue their favourable situation. Okay, but this is not going to last for long. Now, just to internal, just we're going to shoot to some internal uh, issues in Judea at this time. During the time of Antiochus the Third, 
Judea had one of its most celebrated high priests. This it was a Zadokite priest. Now the Zadok was the priest under David and Solomon. Yes. Um, and uh, and so it was to be high priests were, were meant to be descended from Zadok, yes. ideally. Ideally. Um, so this which is, is which the is second. an inner part of the Levite. Yeah, yeah, it's clan. the inner part of the Levites. Okay, yep. the high priest. It had he had to yep. be a Levite. Yes. Uh, well, actually, had you know, uh, like a descendant of Aaron, actually yes. more specifically, and um, but to be a Zadokite priest was the highest. Yes. That was the that was your first choice. Okay, so his family, this Zadokite priest family, were known as the uh, Oniads, um, after his father Oni H O N I, but Oniad spelled O O D. So the um, uh, O-N-I-A-D-S. Now, the Oniads absolutely deplored Hellenism. Yeah. Um, uh, that, and then again, just so you understand, that's the Greekification yeah, the, yeah, that's of the right. culture. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I, here's, here's a, I'm going to give you a great illustration of this. I was thinking about this before. Imagine an old school, this might be, in a, this might be yourself, this might be an old, a grandfather, an uncle, or something like that. That is, that, and again, I'm speaking to our Australian listeners who who are immensely Australian, proud Australian, yeah, yeah. and they begin to get grumpy about the Americanization of the culture. <laughs> What's this Halloween? We don't do Halloween. Like they're beginning to get really upset yeah. about the culture beginning to change. Now that is just a small, uh, yeah, small, a small yeah. example. Imagine that times a thousand, and that's what a lot of the Jews were saying. Hang on, what is? Yeah. Well, it's more than that because it's religious. Uh, yes, there, there, there are some strong religious objections yeah. uh, to um, to Greek culture that they have. Um, some of them are a little over overplayed, but but on the whole, there are some valid uh, is- issues that they have. But um, then there's the other. There's another leading family. Now this is where this gets interesting, and um, this other leading family are going to push for Hellenism. Yeah, um, move with the times, yeah, boys. Yeah. Come and, on. And now what's going to happen eventually to give the um, is that. They're going to gain the upper hand, yes. uh, actually. As far as political... As enforcing Hellenism in Jerusalem. Yep. It, it's this other group. Now, they are known as the Tobias. Yes. Now, does that name recall anything to you, Tobias, uh, from the time of Nehemiah, remember? Yeah, yeah there was... One, a- one, remember the guy who was had his office? Yes. Headquarters yes. in the temple? Yeah, uh, yeah. And, and Nehemiah just couldn't believe... You know, Chuck it but, out. Yeah, uh, uh, sorry, Ezra, that was at the end of Ezra, I think, wasn't it? Where, yeah, but where he came back and this guy had been given this. Um, hang on, was that? That was in Nehemiah. Yeah, that was, was in Nehemiah. Sorry, I went out of blank then. That's all right. And so, so this, I mean, we were talking about how this has ongoing effect, yeah. right? Well, he, he is descended uh, from this uh, from this Tobias, and he's going to be a, this family going to be a really strong Hellenizers. So, um, so this craze for Hellenism prompted the rise of a pious reactionary group. Uh, the Hasidim, yeah. where where that word still <clears throat> that's is- right. The, these these are the Pharisees. Yeah, uh, that started as this reaction against yeah. um, the Hellenization yeah. of uh, of of Judea. So so and then- they're the old fashioned conservatives of their time. You know, they're they're the guys can, that are saying we need to stick to the King can James. Can I just say? <laughs> I, lo- I love these guys. I know that's not popular to say, but as a Pharisee myself, 
I, I, I identify so much with these. But again, we're going back to the history there of understanding where the where the roots of these com- yeah, guys yeah, come from. Right. So yeah. they're reacting against. They are the high priests. They are the holy ones. They are the men of the law. They are observing. Yeah. And and can we just say they are the real Jewish. Oh. Without them, without them, there would not have been a, a Judaism yes. in the first century. Yes. So the Hasidim actually are really, really important Very at, at important. this stage. Um, now, look, meanwhile, 190 BC... Um, can, can we say what the other group ended up, what we would call them in the New Testament, the other group of Hellenizers who were becoming politically wealthy, yeah, the yeah. ruling party, yeah. they end up, their, their fraction out of that becomes the Sadducees. Yeah, Partly. yeah, they do. Yeah, well, because the Sadducees in in the time of Jesus are are the chief priests. Really, yeah. they're the because the Hasidim are not like an official. Uh, they're, they're a pious reactionary yeah. group, um, and that they would have been there would have been scribes and and uh, amongst them, and um, whereas the the ruling classes were mm. the Sadducees. Yes. These, these are descended from the traditional priestly family. The yeah. the, the real. Um, uh, elevated priestly families, mm. so that so that's right. That's yeah. the um, that's the Sadducees. Now, um, <clears throat> so so we move. Look, meanwhile, 190 uh, BC, Antiochus um, the third suffers this crushing defeat at the hands of the Romans. Now, the Romans are now emerging yeah. as a force to be reckoned with yeah. in the West. Okay? Here come the Italians. Yeah. Watch out! Watch so, out! Uh, so we 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 got to keep an eye on the Romans yeah. now, okay? Because <laughs> they're they're lurking there. So from this point on, they um, they are gradually now becoming the major power. Yeah, um, and. Um, the Seleucids are, from this point on, actually forced to pay the biggest indemnities, uh, war indemnities ever known in ancient history, wow. uh, to the Romans. This is out there are ruthless. These ruthless Romans. Now, to raise the money, Antiochus fell to uh, raiding the wealthy temple shrine uh, of Elam, uh, and he was actually killed by a surprise attack of the inhabitants of this t- temple town in 187 BC. Now his his successor, uh, Seleucus IV, he was left to raise taxes, which he did from throughout his territories, including uh, Judea. And uh, this is actually mentioned in Dan- – I mentioned this because this is mentioned in Daniel yeah. 11. Uh, Daniel 11, 20 says his successor will send out a tax collector to maintain the royal splendor. Yeah. So this is going to be hard time for, hard times for the Jews because um, Antiochus III's successor, Seleucus IV, has to raise this money He's, and – he hears also that um, there's a whole lot of wealth there in that Jewish <laughs> temple up there, all of these yeah, gold yeah. articles. Um, now, they actually go to take it. He sends, his, he sends his men to go and take it. But at first, according to Second Maccabees, they were frightened off by a heavenly apparition. Wow. Um, so they all go off. But he look, eventually he, he sends his people in and, and, and the temple eventually is plundered and desecrated uh, for its wealth. Now, Seleucus was assassinated in 175 BC, and he, his, um, he was succeeded um, by his younger brother, Antiochus IV. Now, this is the, this this is is the, the guy. important guy uh, for our uh, period. Now, at this point, um, uh, Jason, um, the brother of, uh, of Onius, who was Onius, was one of these Onius, uh, this family, mm. um, he uh, actually paid Antiochus IV for the high priesthood. I mean, you think about 
This is yes, now. This is going to go down. Yeah. He paid for the high priesthood. Now, look, he was a he. He was the right sort of lineage and everything. So, okay, we can. I mean, it's like that wasn't popular, but we can put up with this. So he purchases the high priesthood for a very large sum. Antiochus needed the money. Yep. Okay. Um, and he promises that he's going to convert in, in to get this also, he promises that he will convert Jerusalem into a Greek polis, into a Greek style city. Um, so he, Jason puts in a massive gymnasium, actually right, you know, right next to the temple, um, to promote these athletics. Now, the problem with Greek athletics, you know what the problem with yeah, Greek, yeah. Greek athletics is, is it was all in the nude. Now, this mm. is a problem, big problem mm. uh, for Jewish law in which it was absolutely forbidden for, for uh, you know, nakedness, nakedness in public. Um, so uh, this was this was a big uh, issue and, um, and... And really split the population. <clears throat> that's right, really. So you've got this... this um, Jerusalem is now being polarized. You've got the Hasidim, the Hasidic party, and then the Hellenizing party. But the enthusiasm for these sports catches on and lots of people are getting into this. And there actually was a lot of Jews during this period who went through a reversal of circumcision. Now, you've got to really, because it was obviously if you if you're uh, you, you want to look like a Greek, mm. like one of those Greek statues, you yeah. want to look like that. Especially if you're performing in the nude. That's and if you're performing in the nude, and that means a reversal of, of, of circumcision, which was a very painful and I may say dangerous uh, operation, especially back then. But also, this was this was part of the you know the Greek culture coming in and 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 in some places yeah. it was out you know, like <clears throat> to try to get rid of this problem in this period. Yeah. They were like circumcision. Illegal. Yeah. No, no more. Not allowed to do it. Not allowed to practice it. And this was like, wow, we we're really yeah, splitting yeah, right. splitting the the people apart now. Yeah. Well, look. So, so Jason purchased it. This sort of sets up a precedent because uh, three years after his appointment, another rich priest, Menelaus, offered even more money, and <laughs> he was appointed high priest by Antiochus, who still needed more money. Than, I mean, he yeah. just needs money. Uh, Jason goes into exile. Um, Menelaus. Uh, the problem with him is that he wasn't from the line of high priests. Mm. Um, so his appointment really upsets uh, conservative Judeans. Uh, now, worse still, he took treasures from the temple to pay for it. Um, and this was an absolute sacrilege. On top of that, he is an even more, Menelaus is an even more radical Hellenizer than Hellenizer, than uh, Jason. So his appointment is not popular at all. And he has to actually enforce uh, his policies uh, by force. Um, now, meanwhile, um, you know, Antiochus decides it's time to make war on the Ptolemaic Empire in Egypt. You know, the war is successful at first, but becomes really drawn out, which put the king in need of more funds. Um, he goes north to Jerusalem, where Mel Menelaus uh, welcomes him with open arms, escorts him into the temple which was an absolute sacrilege yes. for a Gentile to go into the temple, yeah. to take all of the sacred vessels. Uh, so he comes out with even more, uh, pretty much cleans the temple out mm. so he can pay uh, for this war and keep up the indemnities to the Romans so that they don't bother him during this war. Mm. Um, and th this is just intolerable uh, to the Jews. Mm. So when Antiochus returned to fight Egypt, um, he actually was opposed 
uh, by the Romans again. Uh, the Romans are there in the background, and they demanded his his withdrawal. And actually, the news of this rebuff spread really quickly. And actually, it was exaggerated in Judea to claims that he is he was dead. He's dead, yes. right? So. Um, when Jason heard this in his exile, he gathers an army of a thousand. He attacks, attacks Jerusalem to take the leadership from Menelaus. Wow. You know, remember, he's in exile. Um, so they uh, they took the city and the temple, um, and, and Menelaus is sort of cooped up in the citadel. But the problem was Antiochus wasn't dead. <laughs> in fact, he was on his way back to Jerusalem. And, and he, not only And not his dead. guy is cooped up. Yes, not so he's he, not only he is in a really bad space. Yeah, as far as oh, leader. he's cranky. Yeah, he's cranky because his his whole plan has gone to gone to pot. The Romans called his bluff and said, "Yeah, come on," yeah. and like he's yeah, like, yeah. "All right, I'm out." Yeah, and and he's yeah. he's going back with his tail between his legs, That's defeated. Right. His plans. He's going to yeah. take it out. Yeah, and so he, he you know he heard about the attack on Menelaus on Menelaus and. Uh, he he sends his army ahead to crush Jason's forces. I mean, they did more than this. Mm, uh, mm. The city was attacked. He, it was absolute bloodbath. Uh, thousands were taken into slavery. And a garrison was posted there to protect Man- Menelaus and impose martial law. And most important part of this is that Antiochus abolished Judea's f- freedom uh, and autonomy as well as their religious freedom. He said, right, that's it. No more. Antiochus said, that's it with Judaism. Yeah. Uh, I'm sick of this, these fights over the high priesthood, this, mm. this Puritanism here that, that keeps causing these people to rise up. Mm. Uh, he thinks, easiest answer, abolish Judaism. Mm. Well, <laughs> that's going to be his biggest mistake. Yeah. Um, but that's what he's going to uh, attempt to do. So he demolishes the city walls, um, tragically, because now the city is back to where it was before Nehemiah got yeah, there. Yeah. So this is a very tragic, uh, this is a very tra- tragic moment. Um, <clears throat> so, he, so this is 167 BC. Mm. Like Judaism is outlawed. Mm. Temple services closed down. Scriptures destroyed, like you, you can be executed just for reading the scriptures. Mm. Sabbaths and other festivals could this, no longer be observed. This is the period of time where yep. circumcision was outlawed, yep. uh, food laws abolished, mm. circumcision was illegal, mm. uh, all at all at the th- threats of death. He erects a pagan altar on top of the altar of burnt offering in the temple and dedicates it to Zeus. This is the abomination of desolation spoken of in the book of uh, Daniel. Mm. Daniel predicted this. Mm. This is all um, mm. uh, described in detail in the book, uh, book of Daniel. The king then commands the people to worship Zeus. Um, he Now, as I said, he had, this was going to be his biggest mistake, really, uh, because his biggest problem from this point on weren't going to be the Ptolemies, weren't going to be the Romans. His biggest problem from this point on was going to be the Jewish people themselves. Now he's he would there's no he would think there's no way, I've bro- I've completely broken them. They could barely raise an army of a thousand. In the end, they can't really raise an army much bigger than that. Um, he but he had been seriously misinformed about the strength of Jewish devotion.
mostly because he's dealing with almost like the political class in his dealings with the high yeah, priest. Yeah, that's right. They're paying yeah, for Yeah, yeah, get rid of it. They're, yeah, they're, yeah. It's, it's like... It's this, they don't take this this seriously. That's exactly. Right. <laughs> Little did he know. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're thinking they're, they're prepared to purchase this, this leadership. Mm. So... It, what he what then happens is this in resistance actually mm. he thinks well I've outlawed it you know on pains of death mm. this is a cinch well no it's not because actually they 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 will risk their lives to continue to practice their faith so what follows is a full blown persecution of Judaism uh, this is really the first ever religious persecution mm. really ever yes. uh, in, in ancient history. And and many are martyred during this period as Antiochus tries to enforce his pagan worship uh, at pagan altars around Judea. Any practice of Judaism, even just refusing to eat pork or just reading scriptures, was punishable by death. I mean, at one point, the Hasidim and their families, a thousand people, uh, went out to escape the persecution. They go and they they went out and lived in caves in the Judean wilderness. Uh, the king's officers found out where they were. They want to weed them out, and they sent a battalion after them. Now, they offered pardon to them. Uh, out, they're all up in the caves, and there's these cliffs if in the Judean desert. Mm. You see these big gorges in these caves. Uh, they're actually in a lot of these caves now that are monasteries are built. Anyway, it's a sidetrack. Um, they offer pardon. Come out to us, and uh, we'll, we'll, we'll let you live. Uh, problem was they came on the Sabbath day. And the law, talk, we talked about this in the in the last episode, uh, and the law commands everyone is to stay where he is on the seventh day. You, you've got to stay uh, in and around your home. Um, so they refused. And they were basically, atta- they refused to defend themselves also because it's the Sabbath day. Mm-hmm. And they were basically attacked and completely slaughtered. Um, these weren't the only Hasidim uh, around, but this is a thousand people. This is this is what's going on in this. So, um, and they and they didn't resist. So these and actually, it was in during this period that you get this growing emphasis on the resurrection. Uh, this is often pointed out. Mm. Uh, uh, what's going to because the, the the burning question is what about all these martyrs? What's going to happen uh, to these martyrs? So you get this. It it certainly is there. A lot of people say it was invented during this period, but uh, it, it was certainly there implied in, in the scriptures already before. But this is where it really uh, this became a hope. It, it becomes it yeah. really becomes this burning hope. Now um, and again, that point. Yeah, we will see rise its head again in in the New Testament. Because Jesus uses it and says, you know, you Pharisees, you 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 religious observant Jews, yeah. you believe in the resurrection. Yeah. You Sadducees, yeah, right. you ruling class, you don't. Yeah. Fight it out. You know, yeah, you that's know, right. Because it was really, I mean, it was among this Hasidic, the Hasidim, yeah. who were the, amongst whom were the martyrs that yeah. this hope really kind of grew yes. up. So it was a very much a Pharisaic yeah. uh, kind of, it, well, it's a very much a biblical thing, but mm. but it wasn't uh, a hope of the of the priestly class. Mm. Anyway, look, in terms of passive resistance, that kind of in a way that put an end to that, I think they reason, look, we can't, we're gonna be we're gonna disappear as a people group. We need to, you know, we, we need to fight back. Now um, uh, among those who argued f- uh, for a more active resistance um, was uh, a certain priest named Matataya. Who lived in a town called Modim? He was uh, from uh, the Hashmon clan, so he, he's known, he, going to be known as a Hasmonean. This is a Hasmonean family. Okay? Yes, 
uh, Mattatiah. Now, in Modin, a pagan altar was set up there, according to the policy in all of the, all of the towns, pagan altars were set up. And he, as the leading citizen, was asked to sacrifice first. You know, imagine the king's army there, set up the pagan altar. Okay, Mattatiah, come on, we'll, we'll give you the opportunity to show that you are behind um, Antiochus. Uh, he he refuses, he, and he protests loudly, saying his he and his family would only serve the Lord. Um, so he's um, you know he's pushed aside, probably going to be condemned to death. Mm. Um, but another Jew steps forward, says, "Okay, I'll do it." Another Jew steps forward, uh, at which Mattatiah runs forward, kills the Jew, kills the king's officer. Uh, the altar is pulled down. Um, you know, the people get around Mattatai, the altar is pulled down, and he calls all the faithful to come out with him. And they go out into the, the desert. So he leaves with his five sons um, and his followers, and he establishes this base in the hill country of Judea. And, and um, it's here, actually, that they heard about this massacre of the thousand Hasidim. Mm-hmm. And, and th- th- they decided at this point that if they were attacked on the Sabbath, you know, they, they have had to resist. So lots of people gather around Mattatiah and his sons, and they form this powerful guerrilla force that um, would make sudden raids on on towns, you know, and they would kill the king's troops and destroy pagan altars. They would kill Hellenizing Jews, and they would circumcise circumcise boys whose parents had not done so, and then they would sort of disappear. You know, (laughs) they'd come in from the mountains, and then they'd disappear as quickly as they came. It was a very efficient sort of guerrilla fighting force. Now, um, they were able to do a lot of damage because Antioch, his army was actually occupied in the east. So there's a big gap of time when they get to do this. Um, Now, they became known, this Hasmonean family became known as the Maccabees. Mm. The Ma- Maccabees is, is the word, is, means hammer. Yeah. You know, it's like- The Jewish hammer. They, they were the Jewish hammer, yeah, yeah, right? Because yeah, yeah. they're hammering mm. um, uh, the, uh, the the Seleucids here. Um, now, at this point, the aged Mattatiah dies and his son Judas takes the lead. Now, look out for Judas mm. because he is going to, he is, he will prove to be a brilliant military leader. Mm. Uh, brilliant guerrilla chief, actually, initially operating in an area that is actually ideal, in this hilly area with all of these ravines that is really uh, ideal for guerrilla warfare, very difficult for for massive armies to sort of operate uh, in this area. So imagine here they are, they're wiping out garrison after garrison, um, and uh, Judas, uh, under Judas is seen as this sort of divinely appointed leader. You know, it almost mm. becomes this kind of messianic figure um, that, uh, with all of these successes. Now, as these raids go on, of course, Antiochus is hearing about this. And um, uh, he, Antiochus really underestimated the severity of the rebellion um, and the size and the strength of the Jewish army. Um, well, certainly the strength of the Jewish army. Is, see, instead of crushing them with a full force of his armies. He sends, you know, he sends a force of 3,000. I mean, he's thinking this, this, I mean, uh, Judas has got about 900 men. Mm. No, this, uh, he's not got a big army. No. And so Antiochus thinks this should be fine. I'll send an army of 3,000 and we'll put, we'll we'll go there and we'll, um, we'll destroy them. Well, Judas, a wise and courageous 
leader, you know. I mean, he defeats them with consummate ease. Mm. He attacks them as they're passing through this narrow gorge, you know, kills a thousand, he sends the others fleeing. So Antiochus, you know, he thinks, oh my goodness. Okay, so he sends an army twice the size, you know, about 6,000. But again, they're absolutely destroyed wow. uh, by uh, Ant- uh, by um, Judas's, you know, 900 men. Mm-hmm. So this is beginning to make Antiochus look foolish. So uh, he decides that he's just going to exterminate the Jewish population in Judea because mm. he's just looking like an idiot. So he he sent for his most glorified general, um, a guy called Lysias, and he commanded him to the task. So because remember, he's going to wipe out Judea. So he sends an army of 40, according to Josephus. Some people say that Je- Josephus is uh, hyped, up are, a bit. Are hyped up a bit and, and maybe they are. Mm. But according to Josephus, sends a, 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 a sorry, a, not Josephus, the Maccabees, the mm. books of Maccabees. Okay, yes. Yeah. Uh, uh, actually, it's a combination of those of those two. Yes, uh, because they both the books. The history is recorded in the book of Maccabees and in Josephus. And there's actually other historical documents that document yeah, that's all right. of this yeah, as well. Yeah, yeah, that's right. So, so Lysias uh, comes uh, with this vast army, forty-seven, allegedly forty-seven thousand, uh, which included, by the way. And this is true. All of the most recent armory and military weaponry, you know, imagine it, and including war elephants, which had never been seen in this part of the- They had never seen an elephant. Can you imagine? Not only an absolute, a vast army. Yeah. I mean, even if these figures are overinflated, st- st- I mean, even if it's the half, which yeah. is probably more than that, yeah. th- this is a. This would have covered the horizon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not only that, but you've got this weaponry being rolled forward, mm. and it's like a th- scene out of Lord of the Rings. Yes, you know. Yeah. Uh, then you've got these massive creatures, these elephants, yeah. which they'd never seen before. It's um, like it's like an army with, you know, uh, the latest military upgrades, like guns and bullets and oh. missiles, coming up with the guys with bows and arrows and knives. <laughs> That's right. You know, so. So they see these armies coming, and, and Ju- there's this classic moment where Judas leads the people in prayer and fasting, you know, to seek God's help, and he and they all consecrate themselves to God, and this and in and, and it's all very kind of uh, uh, like Joshua like, you know, yes. in this this sort of the way that well, they the, do this. And again, this is the be- this is the beauty of this period here. These are a people. The, everybody following uh, Judas Maccabees here, you know, the Maccabean revolt. These are people whose language and thinking is yeah. totally defined by a Jewish way of thinking yeah, of, totally of the Old Testament. They know right. all the biblical stories. Yeah. They know when God. You know, yeah. they know the history. Yeah, that's and right. And they go, yeah. we know how this goes. We've seen yeah. it happen before. And Judas was a very pious Jew. Yes. I mean, he is. He he was extremely yeah. pious Jew. Yeah. So uh, he's a hard man. Yes. Let's not. <laughs> a ruthless. <laughs> yeah. Let's yeah. not pull punches there. He was a ruthless man, yeah, but yeah. He, he was a very, very pious yeah. uh, Jew. So um, now, so they have this prayer and fasting and and and. So now what happens was is that part of the Seleucid army uh, that breaks off actually and the, the idea is that they're going to go and attack the camp of, of Judas by night, okay? Mm. Now what Judas does, he kind of – he leads them on because he, he – they stoke up all their campfires 
to make them look like they're in camp from a distance, you know, mm. up high. Look, hey, we're all here. And then they sneak away and they sneak around to where their, their full army is, right? Yeah. So uh, so by the time the Seleucid army get to the camp, they realise it's there. almost daybreak and there's no one there. Mm. And meanwhile, uh, Judas and his men have made a guerrilla attack on the, on the Seleucid army and they are thrown into confusion uh, by this attack mm. Mm. because they're thinking – they're getting being attacked right now, mm. but instead it's they are being attacked themselves. The classic double because cross. who would do that? Yeah, who would attack an army that big? Yeah, well, Judas would. Yeah. you know, uh, yeah. you know, with this sort of faith, you know, mm. and and um, it's look, it's an absolute bloodbath mm. uh, at the expense of the uh, of the the um, the Greeks, the Seleucids. So, so this is this is a. This is a monumental, def- I mean, monumental defeat of this mm. army, right? So now Lysias himself, see, he hadn't, he'd sent this army. For it. It, so in 164 BC, Lysias himself leads an even bigger force. Now, again, numbers may have been pumped up here, but uh, according to the sources, it's 65,000, an army of 65,000 into Judea. By this time, Judas, I mean, Judas is quickly becoming this kind of messianic yeah. uh, figure. Um, uh, he And he's attracting more. He's probably got an army now of about 7,000. Um, but he's still vast. He is vastly outnumbered. But he's he's got the advantage of he's got the, this familiarity with the Judean hill country, um, which is going to be a big advantage for the Jewish army. Um, uh and he's got this, uh, and, and so he's he's able to outmaneuver even this huge army mm. uh, as they come in. He's able to outmaneuver them uh, and slowly pick them off at, at different points. And it's just the story uh, is just incredible. He, that finally he actually manages to throw this army into confusion mm. um, by using these guerrilla tactics, breaking them up, attacking them as they come through these gorges mm. and. And from the rear, and and he's just this this a brilliant tactician, um, but Judas would have said, but with God's help. Mm. Um, so uh, so again, so and and of course, again, as they're coming, you know, as as this before the force, you know, he's praying for this, and um, uh, Lysi- Lysias withdraws. They, they they it's according to the sources. There, there were five thousand of Lysias's men are killed in only in, a, in just a few hours, uh, and he withdraws. The army's in confusion, uh, and so Antiochus's armies are just devastated. And um, they met again when Judas's army was at the gates of Jerusalem. He comes back for one more uh, one more shot, but it's a much shorter battle. The Seleucids really are bereft of hope. Uh, he just drives them out of the city. And uh, and and they're defeated. Now, when Ju- when Judas and his brothers come into the temple, you know, he guess what he sees? He sees this uh, this altar set up, and mm. um, so what they do is that they 
they take the stones away and they actually, they don't know what to do with, with the stones, so they put them in a special place until a prophet, they say, according to the source, until a prophet should come to tell them what to do with these mm, mm. desecrated stones and they cleanse the whole area, they get rid of everything, they reestablish all of the right furniture. And uh, they they celebrate this rededication of the temple, which is a which was this uh, which they hold this festival that goes for eight days, and this is celebrated uh, the the this the rededication of the temple in 165 um, BC is celebrated to this day mm. um, uh, in the uh, the in, in Hanukkah the feast mm. of Hanukkah. So. Um, uh, this is important because at the time of Christ, uh, the they're going to want Jesus to be another Maccabean leader. That's this is where this is, is important. This is the recent yeah, yeah. history in their mind. This is the history in their mind. This is the, the, their last great sort of godly leader hmm. is is Judas Ma- Maccabeus, really. Hmm. And so, so this is going to be in the mind in, in their minds. Um, Anyway, I'll, I'll scoot through this through this next uh, period. Um, so, uh, Antiochus lifts the ban on Jewish religion, thinking that this would make peace. <laughs> you know, it think, uh, okay, okay, all right. Yeah, you can be Jews again. Yeah, you can be Jews again, and, but I'm still in charge. Well, n- no, like with what army? Yeah, yeah. You know, uh, so you know, Judah fortifies the Temple Hill. Um, you know, which is signals. A complete bid for independence. Mm. So this this ignites a new phase of the war. Um, <clears throat> now, this is an interesting turn in the war, really, and and some would say a turn for the worse. It's like um, Judas should have probably left it there. Found got some sort yeah, of treaty. Yeah, going. got some kind of just just leave it there uh, because basically they had their they had their independence back and and. Leave the rest to the, you know, uh, uh, th- th- there's just going to be some problems caused here. Mm. Um, uh, but that's that's a matter of uh, opinion, really, uh, of course. So because the Hasidim actually were content with their freedom, that mm. they were saying, um, you know, Let's just be. Con- let, let, let's not. Let's not provoke more. We've got yeah. our freedom back. Let's just leave it there. Like you know, uh, we've done. We've done well so far. God's helped us, but that's because we were fighting for our religious freedom. Yeah. Let's not push this. Um, mm. uh, but the Hasmoneans, the Hasmonean family, they Judas and his brothers. They're mm. like, no, nah, we're going to keep going. We're going to keep going. Um, so, and interestingly, this phase didn't meet with the same success. Yeah. It was still successful ultimately, but not the same unbroken success. Mm, mm. Um, so anyway, with his power base in Jerusalem established, Judas begins attacking Gentile cities in the area. Um, I mean, uh, more, probably more to get spoils and, and really equip himself. Um, uh, now, by this time, uh, Antiochus dies in Parthia, this 164, and uh, the... Seleucid Empire is ruled by this Lysias, uh, who's this regent for for Antiochus, the, a young Antiochus V. Mm. And Lysias sends out to destroy Jerusalem and crush the Maccabean revolt. Um, he actually beats Judas in, in a battle at this point. Mm. This is like the first reversal um, just south of Bethlehem. And he lays siege to Jerusalem. And the Jewish, you know, the rebel, the, the situation is pretty um, uh, desperate. 
because they really lacked supplies to withstand a siege. Um, but here, once again, you know, like you were, there, there are some distractions um, in, in the in the east. I mean, Philip, one of Antioch's generals, revolted, and and uh, and this this distracts him. Like Lysias has to actually uh, with, withdraw, so he makes this quite a gen, gener, generous treaty with the Jerusalemites. You know, Judea was restored to its semi-autonomous state. Mm-hmm. Okay, so we're mm-hmm. back to where we're back to where we were. And but the problem is Menelaus. Remember Menelaus? Mm, he's still around. Yeah, he's still around, and he's. Um, uh, but he. But part of the terms that they make. But you have to replace him as well. Well, he's Lysias is desperate uh, to get mm. back. Yep. And not have trouble with the Jews. So he actually is willing to go with this. Um, so he's replaced um, by uh, a guy that's a little bit more palatable. Uh, now, interestingly, just here's another little interesting footnote. Meanwhile, Onius, remember the Oniad family? Yes. Onius III, who was actually the rightful heir to the high priesthood, um, he uh, has gone to Egypt and he obtains uh, permission to build a copy temple um, in northern Egypt. Wow. Right? So I've already seen a copy yeah. temple in southern Egypt. Uh, he actually builds this copy temple in northern Egypt. Mm. Um, and so there, this his sort of legitimate Zadokite priesthood, actually, they move down, they move down there, yeah. right? And they preside over, over temple the same temple rituals as in the Jerusalem temple for 230 years. Amazing. There is this Zadokite priesthood mm, mm. with a temple mm. in northern Egypt, and we and again that's a little asterisk yeah. because then we go, hang yeah. on, we know that G- Joseph and Mary and Jesus, yeah, yeah, that's right, and maybe you know G- Jesus' yeah, brothers right. and sisters had to flee, and they flee to Egypt and because there to... are there are Jewish people. Uh, down now we there. know why yeah. and yeah. what and what was going on down there. Um, so. Uh, Look, as soon as Lysias left, fighting breaks out between Judas's rebels and these moderates, you know, uh, and um, an army led by the Seleucid, Seleucid general uh, Nicanor uh, was dispatched, actually, to aid the sort of right yes. side. Um, and But Judas actually came out the best. He, he defeats this army. Hmm. And... Judas then sends a delegation west to Rome because remember the Romans are still there uh, on the rise. Yeah, that's the Rome, right. Yep. And um, he secures their support in a bid for his in, in his bid for independence, um, which uh, which they give him. Okay. So so here's uh, so something amazing happens uh, from from this point. Um, uh, Judea gain independence. Now they're going to have a hundred. They're going to have a hundred years of independence as the Roman Empire grows. As the Roman Empire grows, but at what cost? See, this mm. is the this at what cost? Mm. Um, they're going to have that with Roman support. And look, I, and I think there's something. There is something providential about this. This whole period, um, this interfacing with the Romans is going to come back to bite them. Yeah. Uh, anyway, so. There's actually uh, that that same year, actually, after defeating Philip, Lysias and um, Antiochus were killed um, in the, in, you remember, because he's the regent for this young Antiochus. They're killed by an, another guy 
um, Antiochus' cousin, Demetrius, who he takes the Seleucid throne. He dispatches another army led by a guy called Bacchides. They face off in this very actually famous battle of, of Elasa in 160 BC. But um, Judas really, he, this is one of his failures. He, he's um, defeated at this army and Judas himself is crushed. Mm. Uh, sorry, Judas himself is killed. Mm. Um, his Jonathan, his brother, takes over. Now, Jonathan isn't the military leader like Judas. Jonathan is a diplomat. Mm. So he's going to achieve things with diplomacy. Mm. Uh, he's a very cunning sort of political leader. It looks as though the cause, does, cause is lost here and they're going to go back to where they were as a sort of vassal kingdom. But uh, there's this power dispute now in, in the Seleucid, uh, over Seleucid kingship. And, and I mean, it actually... One of the sides appeals to Jonathan for support over the other. And, you know, Jonathan has given this right to head an independent independent military and has also given the, the position of the high priest. Mm. Now, uh, this is okay because he's from the he's from the uh, the family. The, the fa- not not a Zadokite family. No. Um, but he's 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 of the right lineage. Yeah, but he's he is given this sorry, he's given this by the, the Seleucid king. And this is ironic because He's, he receives, Jonathan receives the priesthood. I mean, that's exactly the sort of thing that they were originally fighting against, but mm. he's willing to accept the priesthood um, under, you know, sort of sponsored by the Seleucids. Um, so you sort of feel like things are starting to, there's a little bit of yep. some problems starting to seep in here. Interestingly, the, 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 for him to receive that position, there seems to have been this unknown man who was deposed from a rightful who rightfully had that position of high priest he most probably became the founder and the revered leader of the Qumran sect uh, they are a, a a Jewish sect in in uh, in Judea um, that Josephus speaks about them and, and they they were the ones who put together Dead Sea Scrolls yeah. and their leader was probably the guy that was deposed mm. uh, by Jonathan at this time. Just another interesting little uh, footnote. So so Jonathan uh, through diplomacy to cut I'm going to cut a long story short here. We're, through through we're diplomacy, almost out of time. Yeah, yeah. Through diplomacy, you know Jonathan is able to build up his territory. He wins more and more ter- territory, extends his borders, and uh, and he. I, I, Eventually, they are able to actually under Simon, who who replaces him, they uh, they have this independent this independence that they are recognised as an independent kingdom, mm-hmm. um, with, with sort of recognised by the Romans, you know, mm-hmm. as and and they they have to do some deals there with the Romans uh, to do this. Um, Simon, like Jonathan, has made high priest. Again, this is a bit of an issue because he's not—he's not a Zadokite, mm. but he's this high priest of an independent kingdom that is now going to rule uh, for a hundred years. Now, was it? Was it? I think it was under Simon or Simon's son where they first went from high priest to being called, you know, basically king. Yeah, that's you know, right. So, so, so yeah, that's where it, it, you yeah. see. You know, you really start getting some issues yeah. because it bleeds one into the other, and the yeah. you know. Those, that that rule sort of yeah, comes out. It, it's actually uh, the, the title. Uh, it's actually his son that begin that takes this title yeah. king. So John Hyrcanus, 
um, is uh, Simon's son. So it's basically what you've got is you've got this independent kingdom of Judea that's going to have 100 years of independence. Um, and they're going to be ruled by the Hasmonean dynasty. Mm. So the Hasmonean dynasty are going to be the ruling dynasty. The first of those is John Hyrcanus, and he's going to be far less popular. He's going to be, you know, the, yeah. the popularity yeah. with the pious Jews, with the Pharisees, is going to yeah. go down, down. Yeah, down now, remember, so you've got this ruling, this kind of Hasmonean priesthood. So you've got this division now between uh, the kind of priestly classes yes. and the pious yeah. Hasidim, yeah. the Pharisees, on yeah. the one hand, and that they're going to have to work together. Yeah, um, but it's, this extends it, right into the New Testament. Period. So, so let's wrap up with this. That that extends to around about you know around about sixty AD yeah, when yeah. when basically Rome comes in and says, listen, we're going to start taking you know ownership of this area. You keep all your things happening there. We're yeah. going to put our men over yeah, the, over the right. top of you, and that basically. To cut a very, you know, we again, yeah, yeah. Matt. I know yeah, it was a long yeah, yeah. story there. I know you love telling that yeah, story, but uh, that that is cutting even, uh, you know, an incredibly long story short. To say this is the era that Christ is born into. That's right. Yeah. So I mean, interestingly, uh, at the end of this period, I mean, the Romans are coming. They're looking for ways in which to gain power uh, over. Mm. Uh, anyway, that, so to, so there's this infighting in the family over. I mean, really ugly infighting mm. in the Hasmonean family. Mm. The Romans basically exploit this. Mm. At one stage, th- there are two contenders, Hasmonean uh, Aristobulus and, and Aristobulus II and Hyrcanus II, who uh, are both appeal to the Romans. Like They both go to the mm. Romans um, mm. and uh, the Romans back one of them, but at great price. So basically, mm. um, the Romans uh, are basically invited in. You know, so it's interesting that the Roman rule, which is the real bugbear of the Jewish people by the time of Christ, mm. really happens. It was a political agreement. It was a political yeah. agreement. A move, initially. A I mean, they really sold. Yeah, they, 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 their leaders sold themselves to the Jews. I mean, you know, obviously there were lots of Jews that felt that they shouldn't have done that, and, yes. and so there's this resistance party, and the Hasidim is still there, and you've yeah. got the Zealots, and yes. there, you know, so the, all of these Fractions. elements are still there, you know, and you've got the ruling, you've got the ruling class who are kind of pro-Roman. Yeah, uh, you know, let, let's just leave things as they are. In this is in the first century, you can kind of understand that because. Um, they were they've given their positions through this wheeling and dealing, yes. but then you've got the Hasidic kind of element there, and mm. the Pharisees and the more radical elements of yep. these, which are the zealots that want to do another Maccabean you've, revolt. You've got almost the yeah. um, you know the, the 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 people who've cut themselves off living That's in the right. desert, you know Dead Sea Scroll people yeah. who um, you know John the you know John the Baptist was probably familiar with those people out there as well. Like this, you know, when we finally get him this this prophet that's out yeah. there you know and again I, I'm reminded that we that the Bible tells us that you know Christ's arrival yeah. wasn't by accident at an accidental time yeah, yeah. God is doing all of this yeah. for the exact right time like he says when the fullness of time yeah. you know yeah. has come that's when Christ arrived yeah. and and God was setting up all these all these elements. Yeah. For Christ to come in at the exact yeah, time that's that you need right. to. Yeah, absolutely. One one person who's important in, in this story, and we do need to finish, this is a bit of a longer episode, isn't it, um, is uh, th- there was this guy working with the Romans, kind of helping the Romans out, very shrewd politician called Antipater. And um, he uh, he gains a lot of power under 
the Roman auspices. And his son is Herod, Herod the Great. Mm. And eventually through the same kind of wheeling and dealing, and uh, you know, Herod is going to be given the position of king of the Jews. Mm. And Herod actually isn't even, because Antipater was an Idumean, mm. uh, and um, they were sort of annexed. This goes back into one of the into a previous period. They were annexed by the Jews, and they sort of became Jews, but they weren't really. And so Herod is this kind of non-Jewish Jewish king, and so he's he's really unpopular. So so we meet Herod as well uh, in yeah. the New Testament. It's yeah, and it's it's a classic. We've set up. You know what was happening in between the old and new testament here we're perfectly set up now to understand what you know the yeah. the arrival of Christ in that time and in next episode we're going back to proverbs that's right <laughs> that's right as as is the custom we do two old testament books for yeah uh, so we go we we're we're going we're dipping back into the wisdom literature because of course a lot of the wisdom literature is takes its final form even though the proverbs go back to solomon um uh, they there there is this collection of proverbs not only of solomon but other uh, mm. proverbs that uh, is put together in the post exilic uh, period um, would have that would have been pretty much sorted out by the by the end of the uh, mm. biblical sort of period around four hundred, probably. Um, but uh, but yeah, so we go back to that. So, so next week we'll go back to the proverbs and we'll we'll read we'll start to read up the same proverbs that Jesus grew up on. Yeah, that's right. You know, yeah, and the, sa- the yeah. same thing that was that was in yeah. his mind that he was coming through. All right, well, woo-wee. All right, uh, that is the intertestamental period. Something different for us on Thrive Deeper. And uh, if you've got any questions or if you've got any, any more study or anything like that, um, you know, Matt, you can take care of all of that. <laughs> All right. Yet again, like last week, I don't know how to finish this episode. You usually have a little pithy thing that we cut off on. Now it's just like, that's it. Yeah, it's. Uh, I, I think uh, to, to finish to say that in 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 the midst of all of the politics and the machinations, God was working in the midst of this, and He was mm. preparing the way. And you've got this Greek language that is spread throughout the empire. That's going to be this common, even though Latin was the uh, language of the higher Roman classes. Koine Greek is still throughout the empire. I mean, this is going to really aid the spread of the gospel. Yeah. The, as as much as the Jews hated the Romans, the Romans did bring a period of peace, and they connected everything up in communications. That would set things up from the, for, for the for the advancement of the gospel. There's a timeliness about this, in 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 all of the chaos and the the, the power struggles. Uh, we see that God is sovereign, and He always is. So there you go. The intertestamental period covered over last episode in this episode. Thank you so much for your patience in uh, going through it. You probably had to do that in a few different sections. I don't think anybody could get through all of that in one in one hit there. But hopefully that has sparked an interest in you in studying some of the history. This history is so rich that we have in this period. So uh, if you've got any questions or you want some more information, please let us know. We would love to hear from you. Head over to thrivetoday.net.au uh, and you can uh, you know get some more information there. And I would love to even challenge Matt to uh, send you uh, some uh, more information of what you can be reading and stuff like that. All right, next week we jump into Proverbs. Until then, I'll see you later. This has been DJ Payne for Thrive Deeper. Until next time, thrive.
you so much for listening to Thrive Deeper. We value all our listening community. If you are on Facebook, search and like Thrive Today page to get all of our latest updates. Our home on the internet is at thrivetoday.net.au. There you can subscribe to the Thrive Daily Reading Guide and contact us directly. That's at thrivetoday.net.au. Our music is provided by the talented Rod Gear. For more information, head to rodgearmusic.com. Join the conversation online with over 400 other listeners at facebook.com slash groups slash Thrive Deeper. The podcast is recorded at the studios of Geelong Christian Media Incorporated, then edited and produced by djp.fm. Until next time, Thrive. Thrive.